it's like giving back the community. You know, there is it, today, like if if you're helping someone, like I suspect, like if someone is helping me, I always think that they always, you know, wait for something in return. And I think that's a really, 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 you know, wrong way of thinking things. So sometimes I can just give to, I can just spend 15 minutes on solving someone's problem who they have been spending like a couple of hours on that. And as I said, like maybe it's just going to take 15 minutes of my time. So what's what's bad about doing something like this, right? I'm going to make that person happy and I'm going to feel happy because I just helped someone. So it's it's going to benefit us both. I will feel really happy because I helped someone and that person is, is going to be happy because their problem is solved. Once upon a time, there were tens of thousands of makers struggling. Every day they built for hours and hours, but didn't ship and didn't earn enough income. One day, the No Code Wealth podcast and newsletter came to help them find the way. Because of this, makers became founders and earned the money they deserve. Because of this, founders can have growth, freedom, and wealth until tomorrow no code becomes the next big skill that changes the future of humanity that's what i'm all about hello my name is abdulaziz and from an ethical hacker to a european ivy league business graduate to a hypnotherapist to a growth marketer i've lost everything twice and now i'm rebuilding my life one more time one percent a day, the No Code Wealth podcast and newsletter are for the makers and founders who have the proactivity, perspective, and persistence to go on this journey with me and get the answers about money, marketing, and mindset so that makers become earners, earners become founders, and founders get freedom and create wealth. And thank you all so much for the support. This podcast now is ranking nicely on Apple in the entrepreneurship category, top 200 in San Francisco, top 60 in Germany, top 50 in the UK, top 30 in Sweden, top 25 in Italy, and top 25 in India. So please keep going, keep rating, reviewing, subscribing, and sharing. And if you want to get in touch with me for any reason, Twitter is the place at the handle NoCodeWealth. My DMs are open for you. My guest today is John Ozuisal from the Cardiff Metropolitan University to London Business School, from trading futures to investment banking, to founding Rakam, a 500 startups company, to returning to investments at BNP Paribas Asset Management. John is a former male fitness model the host of No Code Growth Stories and the head of growth at User Guiding, helping SaaS companies to increase their product adoption and retention rates through smooth user onboarding processes. John, how are you today? Hey, dude. Um, thank you for having me here. Like, I'm, I'm good. And uh, thanks for the great interest. Well, I'm so pumped to talk, talk now. Okay. We will begin with something a bit less expected. But I want to know something about Rakam, because it's my belief that, yes, we love entrepreneurs and I am one, but there is a somewhat of a hero worship in it 
where entrepreneurs are expected to be these godlike figures who do everything correctly and things go their way and they bend the world to their will, forgetting that there are lots of twists and turns to that story. But this is my other belief that for every big success, there was one moment that was kind of a good luck moment that changed everything. Was there such a thing in Rakam's story? And if so, can you share what was the event or the moment or the thing that literally got you lucky enough to be the founder of Rakam and get it known and catapulted to the 500 startups level? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, I actually had no background in, in the startups. I, I, I did get involved with the startups a little bit in the university, but I started as an investment banker. And uh, after that, I really wanted to go into startups and I came up with this opportunity by by a networking. So um, Rakam was looking for a co-founder for, for, for handling the business side of the things. And, you know, I, I didn't know much about the product analytics. I didn't know much about the data analytics, but then, you know, I come from an athlete background and I'm always up for the challenges. So I said, I'm just going to take this challenge and I'm going to prove myself that I can be a good uh, business co-founder for Rackham. And then um, I interviewed with the founder, technical founder. And then, you know, we, he liked me, I liked him. And then we just started the business. Um, we were lucky to raise funding from uh, 500 startups, but it was really like a steep challenge for me to learn everything about the big data, everything about running a startup. I had to wear like a lot of different hats during the company. Like one day I would do sales, next day I would do marketing, next and other day I would do finance. So it was really tiring, but it told me a lot of stuff. I love that. So I see you are somewhat, and this experience was the embodiment of luck being opportunity meeting preparation. And in many ways, it's you are uh, growth marketing yourself or growth oriented where you went for the challenge and you pushed your skills to the limit in real world scenarios where you're forced to learn or as um, Arne Bleek said, it's like a, a binary situation where you can crash and burn or succeed. So that's my understanding. And to begin a bit more about today and user guiding, my question is, what happened in the world in general or the market of SaaS specifically that makes today and now the right time for user guiding to exist? Yeah, so um, the user guiding was founded because our, our founders, uh, Osman and uh, Mohammed, they, they, you know, they, they had a startup incubator where they were helping, helping other startups and then they realized that most of the SaaS companies do not know the importance of user onboarding. And then they searched up for the companies who were providing user onboarding software. And then they came up with the idea that most of these softwares are not user-friendly enough, not good enough. So then they they started the user guiding. Um, in, in today, we, we just recently raised pretty serious A funding and we doubled our MRR in the last four months. And you know the business is going well because as especially for the post-COVID, like most businesses, most traditional businesses are now going online. And when you go online from a conventional business to online business, you need to onboard your users properly. Um, so that's where we come in and help, especially SaaS companies with the onboarding. 
And the reason that we're, I think we're, you know, having an increase in MRI is because people do understand how important it is to have a proper user onboarding processes. Because think about it like this. So imagine that you have this bucket and then you're trying to fill that, fill that uh, bucket consistently, right? If you have a hole in that bottle, you're never going to fill it. So even if you take that, take that principle and apply it to startups, uh, imagine that you know, you're acquiring tons of customers, but if you cannot retain them with a proper user onboarding, there is no point of filling your bottle if you have a hole there, right? So that's where, as a user guiding, we come in and we help you to onboard your users properly so that you do not have that hole in your bucket. I love that metaphorical speaking. And I know someone who was one of the students of uh, Cialdini, and he asked him, what is the most powerful persuasion tool of all? He said, it's metaphor. And now to ask, because you said two things that to me, I would like clarification on. You said, well, most of the startups that they noticed were in the incubator, didn't know the value of user onboarding. And then later on, you said, uh, most companies know the value of user onboarding. Can you clarify this as well as you said, well, in, in your intro or where I read about you, you specialize in SaaS. And now you said one of the companies we work with are SaaS. And you began talking about companies who are moving from offline or brick and mortar to online, which are not all SaaS, but yes, they do need user onboarding. So did you change your target market? Did it evolve? And this a bit of paradoxical, contradictory thing about whether companies do know the value of user onboarding or they don't know it. Yeah, good question. Good question there. So I think that things have changed since, you know, 2017 now. Um, look, I'm a growth guy. And when, when you talk about user acquisition, you know, I will, everyone has, you know, me and other growth guys, they will have like dollars appearing on their eyes, right? User acquisition is a, such a sexy term. Everyone wants to acquire more users. So, but the thing is, I think over the last, you know, couple of years, people started to understand that it is important to retain users as much as acquiring new users. So I think that's where the change comes from. So let me give you another metaphor. People, people started to notice it. Imagine that you have a really good looking hotel. It looks amazing from the outside. Um, everyone wants to come in and stay in your hotel. So you got no problem at attracting visitors. But the catch here is that once people start coming into your hotel, they're dissatisfied with the service. Why? It's because they cannot find, you know, they cannot find where their room is. They cannot check in. There's a reception there, but the hotel is like a maze and there's a no, there's no one welcoming them. There's no one guiding them. So there are a lot of good restaurants in the hotel, but again, the visitors cannot find them. It's because there are no signs. So what happens is that people are just going to be dissatisfied and they say, okay, I'm not going to be bothered with this. I have no time to solve puzzles. I'm just going to you know, go and stay in another hotel. So apply that to your digital product. Replace the hotel with your digital product. You might have um, super good product with tons of features, but if you do not onboard your users properly, if you don't hold their hands and guide, through, guide them through your product, then what's the point of having this amazing product, right? I think people started to understand that. Thank you so much. And I have to say that I'm noticing a few things. One of them is that in marketing, there are like the tangible benefits, but there are also the intangibles, which make 
the research has shown that people remember the experience around using the product, the welcoming hospitality of the hotel, like you said, or the user onboarding. That is what stays on their mind more than the actual benefit and usage of the product, which means that is what determines your reputation, goodwill, and retention much more. And to me, it just makes mathematical sense because to grow, if you lose a customer, you will need to get two, one to replace the one loss to stay at the same level and one extra. Well, if you retain the customer, you save yourself the trouble of getting a new one. And if you get two, that's extra growth. So it is mathematical, but let's focus a bit more. And to ask you very specifically, of all the users of user guiding, which ones either seem to be the highest growing kind of segment or the most profitable segment or the one that is easiest to uh, get to become a member or a user or a client? Um, it's a really, really tough question because we have very, very diversified customer portfolio. Um, most of them are SaaS companies. I would say like 90, 95% of them are SaaS companies for, for their growth. I mean, it's really, really tough question. As I said, like it's really diversified portfolio, but we have like Thank a, you. companies from different sizes. We have companies who have like 10 employees. We have companies like, uh, like a, who has like thousand, uh, employees, but in terms of their growth, um, I do not know much about much about their growth rates. Thank you. And one of the really good insights in marketing is that if this is not the case, it means it's time to add a higher tier level where people can pay more because statistically, always you have the potential to get more money out of 20% of your people. And if it seems all to be even, there is an opportunity cost and the loss of adding extra services or higher tiers that will capture more of that revenue um, curve if you think in economical terms. And this is wonderful, but let's keep focusing on the marketing unless you want to explore a bit what higher um, value add services you could add. I mean, which way does your heart feel to go? Because I follow your heart because I believe that marketing, when you say it, it should correspond to your values. So it feels true rather than good words that are repeated without meaning. Mm -hmm. um, by the way, I, I do like to say that we do have like a higher tiered plans where we uh, target the enterprise company. So we, we get more value. We get um, higher subscription fees from, from, from them as well. Um, to come to your question, like my, my marketing perspective, uh, especially for the user guiding is that we want to be a brand that is known, that is not known for just selling products, right? We want to be a brand that is known for educating people. And that's, that's how we want to make a difference. So we, we would like to provide consistent value to, to our customers, to our audience. And even if they're not our customers, like who? Even even like I, you know, I just give free consultation to to the people, you know, who asked it from me because we like to do it. As I said, like we want to be a brand who likes to, you know, educate our our audience. So that's something that we want to keep, and that's something that we're really getting good returns and getting positive feedbacks as well. I love that you said make a difference. What kind of difference is that difference? Make a difference. Um, so. If we compare the features we have with, with our competitors, I'll be honest with you, really honest with you. We're not doing rocket science, right? We're not going to have 
a big difference when it comes to futures. So to create a difference, as I said, like we want to be a brand that is known for educating people, helping people, like helping the communities. So that's where we want to create um, create the difference. It's like, you know, if I wanted to give a growth app, it will be something like give some give some value for free and then you will see the growth. I believe in that and I think it works well. Yes, value and advance, which is demonstration, which is the highest form of proof where people experience for themselves the benefits without paying, which proves that you provide the benefits while open up our move in the free line. And I love that. But I'm asking now about your values, really. You said making a difference for communities by educating them. What kind of education and which kind of difference, if you had to choose, will be the most impactful or important for you? Yeah, so what kind of education? Uh, Let me give you just one example. So, for example, we started this um, customer perks page where like uh, anyone anyone can you know click the link and then ask a free consultancy or like uh, onboarding growth for me for like a 30 minutes and I'll be happy to do that so that's one value that we're providing as a user getting and that's one value that I'm providing okay typically when people come to you for those 30 yeah. minutes which problems do you seem to be most consistently and repeatedly helping them with uh, for for the growth, I see that a lot of people are stuck with finding their messaging. Uh, messaging, that's that's the question that I get the most. Like, how do I deliver my marketing message? So that's that's the question I get the most. People are usually thank like, you, but how do I deliver my marketing message, or what should be my marketing message? Because you mentioned they have trouble with their messaging, but then you mm-hmm. spoke about delivery, which is different. Like in the stock market, where there is speaking about the value or the inherent value or the real value investing while there is also ability to make money in the mechanics of the market irrespective of the real value of the stock so now i'm speaking to you or do they have trouble knowing what their message should be or delivering that message in the right way um some of them they don't know how to deliver it in the right way they know what are the main you know main benefit a user would get from their product but they cannot just make a clear messaging right and that's that's the most common case that i that i see so they come to me and say hey you know my product has these features and all those good stuff and then i see their landing page they're listing all these features there but they do not know you know what 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 is the main uh benefit someone would get from from using that from using the tool so that's where i help them the most so i help them to come up with a really clear message so that the reader will Thank understand you, yes. what is the main benefit they would get by using their tool. I like this. Although now we're speaking more about the benefit of your own extra value, but to make sure that I understood correctly, is this, and speaking somewhat of a metaphorical way, although it's mm-hmm. not directly, in marketing, when you are selling a paid newsletter, it's very difficult to sell because you don't know exactly what will be written next month or the month after that. So what people do is they sell the bonuses and the main product becomes somewhat of a, an extra bonus or a secondary thing where people will buy to get the bonuses and stay for the newsletter. So is this what is happening somewhat here? That it's the value and the education you're adding is what creates reciprocity and value. And therefore, in return, 
people choose you because they know you, like you, and trust you, and therefore you're not really selling your uh, product or service directly, but indirectly. Is this a fair understanding of the way that you're marketing? Okay, so um, let me just explain it really briefly. Um, so basically, I just help them to find the so you can part of their product. Let me give you an example. Um, imagine that you're you're you know you have a, you're selling a software to salespeople, right? So you're you're putting the image of a you know, luxury card on the left, and then you put your logo on the right side of the picture. So you say use you know use my sales software so you can top up your level up your sales game, and then so you can have more comfortable life, so you can make more money. So what I do. I try to help people to find the so you can of their product. I like that. And to go a bit more, because now we're speaking about two different things. Would you like us to discuss more your own 30 minutes free consultation and mm -hmm. dive deeper there or mm -hmm. focus on user guiding? Because those are two different tracks. Uh, we can focus a little bit more on the user guiding as well. Perfect. So user guiding, what is happening right now? Can you say the so you can message for user guiding? Yeah, sure. So um, having a perfect user onboarding is a trouble for many people because it needs a lot of uh, maintenance. It, lists, it needs a lot of like engineering work. And sometimes, you know, you don't want to put too much effort. If, 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 if a task is going to take so much of your effort, you, you usually avoid that. And if someone provides easy way of doing that hard task, you're going to love it, right? So with user guiding is that use user guiding to have a perfect user onboarding system so you can onboard your users properly and then retain them for longer, right? And retaining them longer means that you will actually have you know, um, a higher LTV. A higher LTV means that you will have more money to actually spend on your growth by you can spend that money on the customer acquisition, which is going to, you know, uh, help you to kick your growth engine. Thank you. So if I understood correctly, and I'm thinking about various things, but this one, do many of the SaaS that come to you are interested in kickstarting their growth marketing? Uh, I think like in my personal opinion, at the end of the day, like most SaaS companies, they want to they want to grow right we, we we do SaaS and our you know one of our priorities is that we want to grow our company as as fast as possible the companies come to us to have a perfect onboarding system because they're complaining that you know they ha they do one on one user onboarding so that is like when someone logs into your platform you basically say one of your customer representatives to onboard that person one on one but that's a costly that's a costly uh, task to complete and they come and say to us hey you know i want a replacement for that i want to onboard my customers with a software like yours it's going to be less costly so that means i will have more money on my bottom line and it will be easier for me to iterate and maintain as well that's the main reason why most 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 of our customers comes to us Thank you. And I'm going to play the devil's advocate with two questions, but it's really good to dive in this way. One is um, the Bill Flow founder. I don't know whether you know him. is uh, Ben Sears. Mm -hmm. And 
he said something that his biggest trouble with uh, build flow is that makers want to build things for themselves and don't want to outsource it. While you said, if someone will do the work for you, uh, of course, you will take it. While him, he found that in the culture of entrepreneurs, they try to do things themselves and to educate them out of that was a troublesome process. So can you comment on this? And another thing, which is something that I have also another devil's advocate question well mm -hmm. they will use your software to automate the onboarding but yet you as a very busy executive you do manual onboarding almost to your people by helping them for 30 minutes so why is it okay for you to do well for them it's not a beneficial use of their time and i'm here looking forward to hear your opinion and perspective on this uh, yeah, so let me give you a response to the second question pretty quick. Um, I, I don't really like onboard anyone. I'm I'm a little bit of a workaholic person, so I work like 17, 18 hours a day. And I love to talk to people. Like when someone comes to me and asks for a consultation, I enjoy that. It's like a game for me. Um, so my work is like a hobby for me. Um, so <laughs> I really don't do any like onboarding there. Um, for the first question, um, it's like building in-house versus buying it from a third party, right? Um, I mean, it depends actually. Like if, for example, if you want to build um, a user onboarding tool by yourself, it's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of engineering time and it's going to be very, very costly. And I think um, if it's not complementary to your core business, I don't think it makes sense for you to, you know, spend your engineering power on a on a tool that is not complementary to your business. That that's what I think. Thank you very much. And to ask you a bit more to dive deeper, well, you spoke about in a way I'm understanding that the SaaS that come to you are not really even in the startup phase, but maybe they got their first round of money or are almost there. Uh, almost getting to their investment uh, seed stage. So to ask you, is this a correct assumption or do you have even very new makers and things like that? Oh, so we have, you know, we have startups who, who just trade seed, sta seed stage. We have, you know, bootstrapped startups. We have enterprise companies. So we have uh, companies from a very, you know, different stages. I like that. So now we have various avatars and marketing in many ways is about having different messages to different people. Which one of those either is the one you have most familiarity with or the one that is closest to your heart? Um, like I can resonate more with the, you know, bootstrap founders and also seed stage startups because I've been through all those processes. So I understand, you know, some of the hardships that, that they, they experienced. Really, really perfect. So they have raised capital or are about to raise capital and want to show that they're optimizing or whatever to VCs, just for me to confirm. Did they get the VC money or they're still pitching and want to show a better, more professional look to VCs? Um, for me, seed stage is already like raised a um, small amount and they already pitched to the VC and they have a working product. Perfect. Really, really wonderful. Really brilliant. I love this. Okay. 
So, and can you tell me about your experience with this? Just share a small story so I understand how your story is similar to their story so that they see someone who is similar to them. So let me give you this example. Like, um, So I recently created a list on Twitter called Rise of the Makers. Um, so I've been helping people, you know, who bootstrap their startups and or like who raised a small seed stage capital. Why I was doing that? Because, you know, I've been through those processes. Like when I joined my first startup and when we raised seed stage capital, you know, I didn't know much what about what to do. And I, I needed help from some of the professionals in the industry. But some of them, you know, they asked big amount for an help. So though in back in those days, we didn't really have that much of a budget that we can spend on those kind of consultations. Um, and we had really, really small questions, right? And I, I couldn't even get answers to those questions because our budget was not enough. So I started that Twitter list so that, you know, I can, I can help people who were in the same situation as me, right? So that's, that's something that, that I'm working on. And that's why I said, like, I can resonate with these people because I've been through all of these problems. And this is the reason I created the list. So I couldn't find much help back in these days, but I want to be someone that who could help those people with the problems that I faced, especially for the growth marketing side of the things. I love this. And I know you're returning back to your own added value. And I feel that's now what is resonating in your heart. So let's leave user guiding and focus on this because I've mm -hmm. been trying to go there, but your heart is bringing you back to, <laughs> to the other track. So let's go there. That's where what is happening today. And it's a very valuable thing. So, okay. You help those people because in the past, when you had even very small questions, you didn't have the budget to help to get those questions answered. Let's mm -hmm. answer me, please, on two questions. One, if they don't get their answers, um, their, their, the answers to the questions they have, what is the worst thing that can happen? And the second, why is helping them meaningful to you and touches you emotionally? So what is the worst thing that can happen? The the worst thing that can happen, I can just say, you know, I have, I, I don't know what to say. You know, I do not have this information and I, I, I couldn't solve it because I never claim that I'm an expert or, you know. No, 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 not to you. But if you didn't exist and they had those questions and no money to get experts, what in there for them is the worst thing that would be happening? Would they delay their launch? Would they risk bankruptcy? Would they create a product that is subpar will they like fail on the day where they go on product hunt or whatever i don't know just you know in them let's say you didn't exist so i understand the difference you make in the world and why is that meaningful to you on an emotional level okay i think they would have to do a little bit more digging and they would have to find the answer by themselves so they would have to you know consume more time so if i didn't exist why it means to me, it's because it's like giving back the community. You know, there is it, today, like if, if you're helping someone, like I suspect, like if someone is helping me, I always think that they always, you know, wait for something in return. And I think that's a really, 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 you know, wrong way of thinking things. So sometimes I can just give the, I can just spend 15 minutes on solving someone's problem who they have been spending like a couple of hours on that. And as I said, like maybe it's just going to take 15 minutes of my time. So what's what's bad about doing something like this right i'm gonna make that person happy and i'm gonna feel happy because i just helped someone 
So it's it's going to benefit us both. I will feel really happy because I help someone and that person is, is going to be happy because their problem is solved. Uplifts my spirit, I would say. Great, great. So two things. When it uplifts your spirit, what happens? Do you work harder hours with more energy or do you feel more fulfilled or are you on a stage where you think money is just a scorecard and what matters is changing the world? So that's one level. And we're working on two tracks, which is might be confusing to some people, but it's wonderful for me and to them. You said what they will waste is time to dig more. Why is saving time important for startups at that bootstrapping stage? Because some of the business schools, they tell you, look, you can either have capital, if you don't have capital, substitute it with time. So time yeah. is a substitute for capital and capital is a time saver. So to you, why is them spending a few more hours to solve that problem? And I'm not saying I agree or not. I'm just trying to get mm -hmm. your answer. Why is them wasting time even uh, such a very bad thing? Mm -hmm. I mean, I wouldn't say that it's, it's a, such a bad thing, but I would think about it this way. Like, instead of brainstorming it on what they, should, what they should put on their land page for 10 hours, you know, if, if I can help them in half an hour, then they could spend, they can allocate their time more on delivering, delivering the best experience for their core product. That's, that's how I see it. Wonderful. So let me ask again, and this is really good. So to you, startups and what at whatever even bootstrap let's speak about bootstrap and consider that those who raise the small amount of money are also still bootstrapped so to you the most important and valuable thing is that they spend their time on the better user experience and core product correct mm -hmm. why is that important to you personally that they're the customers of those people have a great user experience because I, you know, I, I, I was, I was in a seed stage uh, startup, and I know, like, you know, I was a co-founder. So, you need to spend the most time on delivering the best experience for 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 your customers, rather than, you know, uh, spending time on um, non-complementary things. If if your core value is to deliver, I don't know, X Y Z, then you need to focus on how you can better deliver X Y Z. That's how I see it. Thank you. And if they don't focus on delivering X, Y, Z better, what happens? Do they get like worse results in the marketplace? Do their competitors win? Do they lose their savings because they spent it on that their bootstrapped um, thing? Or do they go grumpy home and their significant other hates their mood and therefore they have a, an unhappy family situation? Or what is going on there? As well as share for you when you are frustrated, you were in the bootstrap stage, you had no answers. How did that affect your life? I think if they focus on delivering the best experience for the core, they are just going to create a product that advertise for itself, right? When something is way too good, people are going to be a champion of your product and they're going to spread word of mouth. So you don't even have to do much marketing. If your product is so good that it, it advertises itself, then you know, you're, you're hitting the two birds with the one stone. That's, that's how I see things. Thank you. So to you, you believe that 
A huge competitive advantage is that they create a product that exceeds expectations and therefore people are so happy and delighted that they will, each person will like get them three more viral or referral clients and therefore they will have huge growth without them spending too much money on marketing but letting the happy customers market for them. Is this correct? Depends on what kind of, you know, what kind of product you're selling. But from my own experience, I would say yes. Um, so you need to focus on finding the core functional value of your product. So instead of looking for who would buy my product, you need to focus on why would they buy my product? What is the end goal that you know, those people are trying to achieve? After you find that, you need to double down on deli- delivering the best experience taking them from point A to point B, allowing them to achieve that end goal as fast as possible and in the best way as as, as possible. Yes, the so you can goal. And to ask you, what, why are you able to give them those insights and experiences about all kinds of SaaS or others in like 15 or 30 minutes? Like to know about I know one thing, you have been in their shoes, you understand them through empathy. So now I'm thinking about uh, the uh, other part, which is uh, competence or credibility. So what in you gives you that authority position of being able to give them the answers faster and in a way that is more likely to work? Yeah, so I, I, I don't just you know give them everything in 30 minutes, but what I do is just, I just, I. Don't give them the fish. I What I do is I try to teach them to catch the fish. So I use some frameworks and I, I try to guide those people to understand how the way I see things. And then, um, you know, this is this is how I help. I can't just find, you know, some, for some products I can see, I can see the core functional value and some I cannot. And if I cannot see the core functionality, I need to do a research. And if I don't have a time, like I will just tell them, I'm sorry, like the product is too complex for me to understand. I need to do a little bit more of digging, but I do not have time to do it. So I just say, I don't know the answer. I, I like to be honest. I don't like to come up with stuff. And there are some products, there are some tools that it's so easy to understand what the core functional value is. And if this is the case, I just help them. I just say, this is what I think. This is what I think your marketing message should be. This is what your core functional value is. And I just give it to them. Thank you. So if I understood correctly, when they focus on their core, um, the core functionality and the so you can and laser target themselves on it, they will delight the customers by over delivering results as well as creating a really great user experience that will create raving fans who will be somewhat of a marketing army that goes out there and raises awareness and tells everyone which is both an endorsement a testimonial as well as a marketing which money will not be able to buy at least not at that level if we assume it is scalable which it could be and to ask you another thing let's say sure. they don't deliver their core functionality as well as they could because they didn't have time well what is the negative that can happen for their business what i would do i would do this i would be upfront i would be honest with my customers i would go out and say you know that we couldn't deliver it this time and i would honestly explain the reasons 
for for not delivering because i believe that if you're transparent and if you're honest people will give you another chance your customers your users will give you another chance that's just that's 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 how i th- see things but you know it could be different for for other people but this is how i see it one of the first rules of crisis management is to tell the truth so you are speaking uh, from a place of truth and of what works then to ask you about another thing these are important to you and you didn't tell me like in your life did you have sleepless nights or did you have times where you worried about paying the bills or anything like that because you didn't have your answers for your startup that was bootstrapped and you had no help and no money to afford professional help mm-hmm. for for my personal life um i'm lucky i i never had a time where you know i i couldn't pay the bills or i didn't have a place to sleep so i'm glad that I, i i didn't have these problems because you know i'm i'm lucky in this case um but yes i did i did have sleepless nights um especially in my previous career in investment banking um sometimes i still do have sleepless nights it's not because you know someone is forcing me to work because sometimes you know i i get caught in this idea and then you know i feel like i i'm in a loophole and i cannot stop thinking about these kind of things and i'm looking for a solution or trying to come up with something if i'm trying to solve it something then i i you know i have the sleepless nights thank you so is it also enjoyable in a way helping others for you is somewhat of a fixing pieces of the puzzle or solving an enigma or something like that or is this just an assumption uh it's like solving the pieces of puzzle like to be honest i don't know everything and i think no one can know everything but um even though like some people come up to me with something and i don't i don't know much about it but i like to learn about it and i like to see it as a challenge and i like to uh solve it and the more i get these kind of challenges the more i improve my knowledge base as well so that's one thing that i really enjoy i like that it's really really wonderful so if i were to think about what you do is you have this list or any way that people wish to reach out for you for a 30 minutes free consultation and mm-hmm. what you want to do is actually to help the startups and the bootstrapped startups and those who raise the small seed capital in order for them to eliminate all the distractions that are distracting them from their core function from over delivering to their customers and the fact that they will be needing to dig in order to find answers about their messaging their marketing or any of those other small questions is in reality a time lost where they are really operating under deadline because in business when you run out of money that it's game over there isn't really something else so in in some way you are allowing those founders to have a good successful startup by focusing on what they can do most uniquely in the world which is delivering their so you can core function and the uh, benefit that comes from that and therefore you are saving them anything that is not their core competency or that can be outsourced and in a way you are being that good santa or good santa <laughs> maritano 
who is being going there to help them. And it's for two things, three actually, so that people understand the transparency. One, of course, when you help them, you feel better. It's interesting and exciting and maybe a break in the day for you. And you learn more by getting more case studies, which makes you a more competent professional by giving you wisdom. And wisdom comes from seeing the experiences of various lives and various situations in one place. And you have been in their situation. So to your heart, it's like the Zen Buddhists say, the real big reason why getting enlightened is so difficult. It's so that when you get enlightened, you don't get arrogant, but look at the new people and understand their pain. And it's the fact that you have been through that pain that allows you to have empathy, as well as you have proven yourself in two ways. You have been the founder of a 500 startups company. And so you have shown your metal there as well as now being head of growth marketing at the company. And you're not just, you know, being all about the money to you. This is a way where you are creating so many positive things in the world for yourself, because it's like scientifically said, when you make someone else happy, they feel happy, you feel happy, and anybody watching feels happy. So it's sharing happiness in the world. Second is giving them the time, which is the thing that is most irreplaceable in the world, to create an outstanding core functionality and product that will delight their customers and therefore their customers as well will be able to solve their problems better and bigger, which means there'll be less pain and frustration in the world. And even more importantly, rather than them doing a marketing where they speak about themselves and say, oh, we are so good, we are excellent, which is in biology is called not an honest signal because the easiest thing to fake is words. And that is why humans have a defense mechanism where they can sense authenticity from non-authenticity. But when delighted customers go run amok in the marketplace, speaking about you, giving you testimonials, endorsing you, when people come, they're not cold leads anymore. They are warm leads, which means that this is the highest leverage work you can do to focus on your functionality in order for you to create raving fans that will bring you warm traffic, creating people who not only will buy easier, but they will stay longer. And if you add to it user guiding where you onboard them properly so that your uh, true experience matches your reputation created by your raving fans, then it's like, wow, for the first time in my life, I am not only getting shorthanded like most most times in the world i am getting what i have been promised and more and therefore they become your true fans forever creating high lifetime value and that lifetime value you can use it to both invest in better core functionality and understanding other so you can that they have so that you serve them even better as well as investing growth marketing, which will add even more fuel to this fire of your growth, catapulting you like a rocket to the higher spheres. And all of this because they came to you today for 30 minutes to ask you about some questions that will allow them to focus on this core functionality. And each minute saved today, it's like that compounded interest where they say, 
in the Roman times, if you invested one cent in a bank at a 1% compounded interest yearly, I think if I remember correctly, you will have more than all the money in the world today. So it's every minute saved today that you invest in your core functionality can lead to more raving fans and therefore more lifetime value and growth and therefore more money for you to grow your marketing and therefore you will become that next success story that all your troubles and hard work make you maybe have a reputation like Elon Musk or John Ozuzal or <laughs> anyone like that. So is this a fair understanding of the work you do? Uh, it was a... Uh... A little bit long sentence, but the, the, the one thing is that people do not come to user guiding just because, you know, I give a 30 minute free consultancy. <laughs> uh, people come to user guiding is because you know, we're, we're trying to give them the most user friendly and best experience. And while we're also trying to be like a brand that is always providing education, um, apart from everything you said about, about me as, uh, for my personal brand, there is also another thing why, you know, I like to do this consultancy thing. It's because you also make friends, right? I like to meet with new people. And once, once, you know, it happened in, in the past. Somebody came to me for a consult a consultancy, but then we became friends. So I think it's a good way of, you know, forming, bonding, and finding new friends as well. Thank you. It's wonderful. I actually would recommend you check out Coffee Chats by Chris Tong, which is a platform where you can mentor people. It's a no-code thing that mm -hmm. links everything together and therefore you can even have a small amount that gets automatically donated to charity when people have uh, you know ask you have those 30 minutes and yes it's not totally free but it can be like five bucks or ten bucks that goes to charity which spreads more value in the world and yes i had to link it to user guiding because why not you know it's a, it's a good to link your brand to your company's brand i'm sure the core team and the founders will be happier because i believe in this yes there are two perspectives that one will say oh i am only helping and you are of course and it's not really because of this that we get people to user guiding and the second one is you solve the real problem each company that uses your services is get it's gonna serve people better is gonna onboard people better and have a higher lifetime value to pay their employees better and invest in a better quality marketing and better quality experts and help with which they cannot afford now so of course we should speak about user guiding and guide people there because it's a positive thing in their life mm -hmm. that's what i believe yeah yeah that's a good way of saying things thank you so much can you share to finish this because it was really wonderful can mm -hmm. you share about you personally your brand as well as user guiding as well as if people really want to interact with you to have those 30 minutes or 15 minutes where should they go and what is the best place to reach out to you yeah sure well I am pretty active on LinkedIn, so you can find me on LinkedIn, John Azuisal. My I know that my surname is a bit tough to pronounce. Um, also, you can find me on Twitter as well. So I started to use Twitter a month ago. Um, you can just DM me there, or as I said, also in the LinkedIn as well, and I would be happy to talk. I will make sure to write those both in the description. And to me, if I would like to reach out, it's no code wealth on Twitter. I'm active there. I wish you a great 
day, John. It was wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this talk. Mm -hmm.